I, I tell people all the time, it's important your mission, your purpose, but your business first. If your mission first and you have an underfunded mission, it's not going to be as effective as it needs to be. So remember you're in a business first and the more successful you are as a business, the more successful you can be with your mission. Good morning or good afternoon and welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. This is episode seven and I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Executive Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and I'm here with my co-host F.T. Chong who is Head of Private Capital at Pinebridge Investments. So this is the podcast for conversations about the integration of faith with practical tips for faith-filled decision-making in everyday business. So again, welcome to episode seven. In this episode, we're delighted to welcome Charles or Charlie Humbard with us. Charlie is the founder, president, and CEO of Up Entertainment. Up Entertainment is the parent company of Up TV, the television home for uplifting entertainment, Up Faith and Family, America's favorite streaming service for families, and Aspire TV, the leading network for black and urban lifestyle programming. And I think, Charlie, you said you had some even more things in the mix that are coming out this year as well. So since this network's inception in October of 2004, he has led the overall business strategy and mission to entertain, uplift, and inspire viewers. Up Entertainment reaches audiences across a multitude of platforms, including traditional cable, OTT, SVOD, and digital properties. Up TV, which is carried on every major cable and satellite provider in the US, was the fastest growing entertainment network in the second quarter of 2020. So Charlie, it's really great to have you with us here today. Our, our conversation is going to be about the role of faith in, in engaging and innovating in a predominantly secular media industry. And we're hoping to land on some practical tips to live out our faith in ways that promote spiritual maturity in light of all the different challenges facing us today. So FT, perhaps we could start um, by, you know, a little bit of introduction um, and how you know Charlie and jump in with thinking about how spirituality plays a role in um, our, our work and jump into some questions yeah. of hearing about Charlie's story. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome, Charlie. It's really good to see you again. Uh, we've known each other for almost two decades now, uh, from a fledgling uh, TV network called uh, Gospel Music Channel. And those were the days where people would watch music videos as evolved into, uh, I used the word, uh, conglomerate, <laughs> entertainment conglomerate reaching in different uh, medium. Um, <clears throat> so, Charlie, um, Maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, background uh, of your, your family, your walk, and uh, how you got into um, the, the TV industry. I would love to. And thank you again, Hannah, for having me and uh, FT. Um, and you're right, we go, we go back now a good ways. It's hard to believe how much time has passed. But uh, first off, thank you for all the, you know, the effort and the work you did to help you know, today become a reality because of the work that, you know, FT did on our board and, and working with us at Gospel Music Channel. So FT, thank you again for your dedication uh, to the cause, right? So you, you ask about my background. I, I do have a little bit of a different background um, than most. 
I was really blessed to grow up as Rex Humbard's son. And for the, for the listeners or viewers that do not know Rex Humbard because they're too young, um, if you're really over 40, 45, you probably knew of dad or watched the Rex Humbard television programs. Um, they were on uh, in 19 languages on, you know, around the world every Sunday. And um, dad was the first televangelist. So in 1974, the uh, managing editor of Time Magazine was doing a feature on him and called him up and said, Rex, I've got the store. We're going to publish next, next week for you. And um, I can't figure out what to call you because you're this evangelist guy, but you're also on TV. And so how about if I call you a televangelist? So for all those listeners uh, that want to win on Jeopardy, that's a Jeopardy question. Uh, so a little trivia point for you. But I was uh, born into that family. I was blessed to be there. I grew up in the business uh, and it was entertainment as well as a ministry. And it, it taught me a lot of the things that I have brought forward into the business today um, about the blending of different cultures in the ministry. You know, one Sunday on the ministry, we would have Andre Crouch and the Disciples. The next Sunday, it would be Johnny and June Cash. Then we'd have Debbie Boone. So when I launched the channel many years later, that translated into it's all gospel, rock, pop, country, soul. And so, your, your father presided over Elvis Presley's funeral, right? Was, he, he did. Like he, he was a minister. And Elvis um, had a real, uh, he just took to dad and he called him his pastor. So Elvis being on the road all the time, he used to gather the, the quartet uh, that backed him up and make him come up to his room every Sunday morning when they're on the road and sit and watch the Rex Humbard show. And he reached out to dad and, and dad and mom became, uh, had a really good friendship with him, uh, but really on the spiritual side. And I think um, it was real instrumental and impactful to Elvis. He had someone he could go to that he could trust because uh, his life was such chaos, as you can imagine, uh, being yeah. a popular person. But he gave me a chance to meet Elvis and uh, watch him perform. And as one of the unique things of growing up as Rex Humbard's son, a lot of the big personalities of the time, including presidents, uh, would confide in dad and they knew uh, they could trust him. Um, and they would get, you know, prayer and, and spiritual guidance from my father. That's, so. that's really cool. Can I, I, am I allowed to show one picture of the stadium? In you, you know you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, really no. no, not the one with your bell-bottom jeans, just the okay. stadium. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we uh, do not realize how big the ministry was, but uh, they used to fill stadiums in different countries, and this was a stadium. Can you see my screen? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a Brazil meeting. We had a million two hundred thousand people in the Brazil meetings um, over the course of 10, 10, 10 uh, meetings. We also then were flown to Chile and did, uh, filled the stadiums there. Dad was in Brazil and on TV every Sunday. Um, and really, the 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 you know how on fire for God it, uh, Brazil is today, I really think came out of the those days and planting those seeds. Um, we would have in one meeting over 100,000 people stand and, and accept Jesus. Yeah. So it was a really powerful time. So I, uh, uh, I also showed, uh, there he is, good-looking good looking man as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's a diversion, but let's get back to... You know, you brought that up, and there's one thing I really remember from that that I've, carried, I've tried to carry forward in business. Um, in our first meeting there, we were in Sao Paulo, there was 110,000 people. I was 12, 13 years old. We had the grandkids, you know, all ages of the family were there. And um, <clears throat> dad, you know, gathered us together. And I noticed he was crying and he said, 
what a great crowd God has, right? And I was like, wow, powerful. As a 13-year-old, I remember that to this day, um, how it affected me about <clears throat> how he was a servant and how humble he was in his approach to things. And I think that's what people really noticed about him. Oh, and yeah. being a servant is something I've tried to carry forward in business as well in my approach to things, because that was something that really stuck with me. Um, that he didn't have to say. He could have said, wow, they're all here to hear me preach, or they're here to hear you sing, or whatever it might have been. But he really kept us focused on people were there because they had a need. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things we hear of now. Um, um, there's a lot of controversy uh, about some of these new critical theory movements and all of that. We share the same uh, sympathies, meaning we want to serve people who are disadvantaged. Uh, but our approach as Christians is not to demand and break things but, or grab, but to serve and to give. You know, we're servants. That's right. And that's the, it's the same cause, but we are serving and giving. And, and people recognize that in business because business is not typically a, a, a servant industry. You know, it's not, people don't approach it that way. It's get what you can get. Um, and I think your business will really stand out and you'll stand out as a leader in taking that approach. And I think it, you know, keeping humble is one of the most important things in business and in life and leadership at home or wherever you are a leader in the community. Uh, being humble and being a servant, I think, is really key. So uh, I know you're humble, but boast a little bit about what UP is today and tell us about UP. Right. Well, I'll fast forward through the story of, um, so I grew up in the ministry. I had an opportunity then to work at Turner Networks for many years in their growth days. We launched CNN and other things. Uh, then I went on to Discovery. got to spend 10 years at Discovery. I was the second employee at Discovery on their international side. So I had the opportunity to lead a team that put Discovery in 140 countries over a five-year period um, and go back to many of the places that I was when I was with dad. We were back in Brazil and I was sitting there at you know, the big broadcasters and they would say, Humbar, where have we heard that name before? You know, that was really a, an interesting full circle in my life. Um, and then 9-11 happened and I made a decision to leave Discovery and do something I thought would have more of a spiritual impact and a, a long-term impact on people. I was very passionate about Discovery because I thought, you know, sharing information the way they did around the world was, you know, I was evangelical about that because I knew it changed people's lives. But um, Gospel Music Channel came to me in a car ride with an old friend that had been with the ministry for many years. Uh, we were riding out to a warehouse to get something out for my parents. And he said, Charlie, I don't know what you're going to do. You've left Discovery, but have you ever thought about gospel and Christian music? And it really was like someone poured warm oil on my body. And I got it immediately. I went home, put a business plan together, and it took me a little over two years to raise the money to start a cable network. People pretty much think you're crazy to do that, uh, which we were. Um, but we got it going. We started as Gospel Music Channel. Um, it grew faster than the NFL network in the first five years. Uh, people were very passionate about the music. We expanded it into more movies and series. We changed the name to GMC so it wouldn't be confusing on the music front. Uh, but we are always uplifting entertainment. That was our purpose. That's what we did. Uh, there's nothing that is more uplifting than gospel and Christian music and the message of hope. 
Um, and as we expanded in the movies and series, we wanted to continue to do that. So we really kept that purpose around that. Uh, matter of fact, our core purpose is to inspire hearts to be better. So that all developed out of this. And, um, you know, as Up TV, we've really been able to grow, uh, I think, exponentially in the last few years, especially. Uh, we've launched a streaming service, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Up Faith and Family, which is grown, we've doubled this year, you know, unfortunately because of COVID, but a lot of people looking for things that are positive in life uh, with a message, you know, because Up Faith and Family have Christian movies as well as more secular, but still values-based and good characters and things families uh, one in their home. We also have Aspire, which I, uh, we formed a partnership with Magic Johnson and launched that uh, seven years ago now. And uh, that serves the Black and Hispanic communities, urban communities, with lifestyle programming. Um, it's had great growth, especially of late with the topics that are on everybody's mind about social justice. Um, Aspire has really got you know, great attention, and I think deservedly so, and um, we're investing there. So we have had great success in the brands lately. I think you know, as you watch Netflix and a lot of the other things out there that are very dark uh, in their storytelling, that there's still so many people that search for uh, light in their entertainment. They want something that um, makes them feel good. They take life lessons away from, uh, that inspires them, that they can feel good if, you know, their son walks in the room um, and mom's watching something or dad's watching something and they're not gonna have to leap for the remote. So we tend to be more, because we are values-based, we tend to be more family friendly in that way. Um, so I guess that answers your question. Uh, FT, we've had really great growth, especially in this past year. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're curious. Um, the entertainment industry is probably the most difficult for a Christian to navigate, especially when you are identify yourself as a Christian and the company as Christian. Uh, tell us about some of the challenges or you know, how, how you approach it, because obviously you're successful. Uh, you keep the advertisers, mainstream advertisers, and at the same time, you don't want to buy in, into things that are counter your belief system, right? Right. You know, it's, it, it begins with you personally. Um, you, you know, especially in a brand like ours, um, the brand becomes an extension of me um, and a lot of my value sets because um, it sets how we hire people and it sets how we think about storytelling. Um, so, but you know, the, we do have obstacles in our business uh, and, and I'll give you one example. There are many advertising agencies that have rules against any type of what they classify religious programming. So if it smells too much like Christianity or faith and things, they're not allowed to advertise in, in your channel. Um, we approach this though, at, I think in a, a little bit of a unique way. And um, to be straight up, we're not a Christian business, but we're a business that is based and rooted in Christian values. So you don't have to be a Christian to work here. Um, you probably have a tough time being an atheist and anti-God because it would just not fit um, a lot of the culture we have in our company. Um, but I think that is a very big distinction. And look, mission is important to us. Our purpose is very important to us, but it's important also that the message is received by the widest group. Um, I don't want just Christians watching our network. I wanna reach people uh, because it's great entertainment, first and foremost, um, and then tell stories that will engage their heart and make them think, right? Our job is not necessarily to 
you know, win them to Christ, but our job is to move them in a place that they might be more open to it. That's, that's a subtle thing about how I've designed the brand and designed the, the, our messaging. Um, and, and the, you know, it starts with, as I said, it starts here, right in my heart and who I am as a business leader. Um, and the, cause that goes to what kind of people I want to hire. I want to hire people that share my values. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I like to say to people that my, my faith informs my values. My values inform my decisions. My, my decisions then inform the direction and intentionality of our business, our family, right? How, how I am at home and everything else. So it's not the other way around. So at the, at the very base level of everything and, and how we end up making a decision about what kind of programming goes on, if you go all the way down that tree again, it starts with my faith yeah. and, and informs these things that inform those decisions that sets the parameters in the brand. So I can hold a show up and say, does that inspire our hearts to be better based on the value set that I believe in? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I've chosen to run the business and the brand. I think it gives us a great appeal to the advertisers who are secular. Um, you know, Clorox is not just trying to sell to Christians or people who are not Christians. Um, yeah. want to sell to brands, though, that create great environments so their products are more believable. You know, yeah. there's a lot of research we've done on that. We did it back at Discovery. When you have an environment that people are watching where they trust that brand, when your spot or message shows up, they have a, it's like 35% more, you know, propensity to believe in your ad, to listen closely to it, because it's almost like it's endorsed, you know, good and, way. And that's, a, that's um, it's wonderful. Uh, actually, when I, um, one day, Hannah, you get the chance, when I walk into your office, it's, uh, the demographic is so, so diverse. And you have a lot of women, women in leadership, not just women, uh, who are who are non-leaders, and you have minorities, you have uh, right. senior, very senior people who are African American, and just walking in, you're like, there's something completely different in this office, mm. right? And that flows, as you say, from your faith, it just flows flows out. I think you know, it's a funny thing. My dad used to say, um, "I'm the head of the house, but your mother's the neck that turns it." So maybe, <laughs> maybe I learned a lesson there. Just go ahead and put women in charge because they're going to run it anyhow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. um, we're we're between 35 and 40 percent uh, minorities in our company we've never had quota systems we've never had to deal with a lot of things that you know i worked at turner and discovery they had quota systems they had it because they hired the wrong kind of people in management who made the wrong decisions right so there again it starts at the top you've got to have the value set right um, and then hire the right kind of people that share those values and you just avoid a, a lot of a lot of challenges that you just don't need in business. Your challenges need to be outside the walls, not inside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think Charlie, you know, this is a great spot to jump in. You know, talking about women jumping. No, just kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, you you talked a little bit about like the innovation in terms of building up TV and that you know the the values and it's you know um, inspiring and it's uplifting. Uh, in terms of the product that you put out into the marketplace. I'd be interested to hear a little bit as well about the culture of your company itself. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little to your dad and his legacy of being a servant as a leader and some of the work I've done at Wheaton and some of the conversations FT and I have had over this last year is really looking at spiritual maturity mm -hmm. and spiritual quotient, not just our IQ and EQ, but our ability to really engage our, our faith 
in terms of who we are as leaders and then how we shape the culture of an organization based on that. And it sounds like your leadership has been shaped by your faith. But I'd be interesting to hear, it'd be interesting to hear what are some of the things you've done at um, UP as a company to make it a space where the values get integrated and people can um, be their whole selves at work as well. I love that you brought up what we call, I guess, the SQ, right? Along with yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, that is so important. And, you know, there again, it does go back to how I was raised. Uh, there's something I learned in listening to my daddy at a sermon, um, and it really spoke to the message. It comes from the scriptures of being mental, spiritual, and physical beings, right? Mm -hmm. And we are three parts. And so I have brought that practice into how we treat and how we the, the employees and how we create environments and i do believe that we as humans are at our best as leaders as fathers as employees um, when we are mentally spiritually and physically in balance so we don't just give people books to read uh, we don't just do yoga classes we don't just do you know voluntary you know bible studies on wednesdays we do all of those things with intention that to you know help people uh, nurture and grow in those three areas because we want our employees to have a shot at being their best um, and if we can you know participate in that in the hours we get them every week I think it's really important for us to do so we budget for it and do it with great intentionality um, we have mindfulness also a couple days a week uh, where somebody really works on breathing and and really being still and being with yourself. Uh, but it's all about mental, spiritual, and physically being healthy in each area. So together, you are really the best you can be. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. And as as you've um, led into COVID this year and faced uh, a big challenge, you know, in a lot of industries, and definitely, I think you're in the the right industry to grow this year for sure with everybody home. Um, what was your strategy as a team and as leadership? in facing um, you know, the, the pandemic and COVID, and what was your mindset going into this year? Right, well, none of us expected it. Um, caught a lot of companies, everybody by surprise, really, but I think some companies might have been more prepared. On the, on the uh, I think on the technology side, we had been Zoomers for three years already and fairly advanced and ready for teams to come on. And so technology-wise, communications-wise, we were well-positioned. I think to, to, to enter into this next phase of the business. Um, but I made a decision along with my executive team early on, uh, when we're getting in this, I said, look, we don't know how long it's gonna last, how bad it's gonna be, but we know that you know, if you're working from home and you're all separate a long time, um, it's gonna be really tough on the culture and everything else. I said, I think we need to attack this. And there's a, I, I spent a lot of time out west, we have a place out in Utah. And um, out there, there's, there's a true thing that happens, which is when big storms come, whether it's a hailstorm or a blizzard in the middle of the winter, um, the cattle out on the plains all circle up, uh, kind of ride it out together, get as close as they can. The buffalo, right, um, line up so they can see each other in a line and they run straight into the storm, hmm. which I find fascinating. But we adopted that thinking and said, look, we can wait it out and sit here or we can, you know, hold hands, orchestrate, and run right at this thing and make the best of it. Be a better company when we come out, right? Be more about mind, body, and spirit when we come out of this. 
Um, be aggressive about our marketing. People during COVID need uplifting messages, right? They need uplifting programs. Um, so we are so positioned for the moment that to huddle up and do nothing and wait it out is like the, you know, the biggest missed opportunity we could have. So we were the Buffalo and it's become our theme here, Tatonka, if you remember Dancing with Wolves, right? So we joke about that a little bit, but I think it did inspire people to have that to think about um, running into the storm, facing it. And I think as, you know, spiritual beings, as, you know, Christians, um, it's also important that we act that way, right? We have some pretty strong leadership on our team, as in Jesus and God. And I think it's, you know, for us to run into the storm is appropriate and um, not just hunker down and wait it out. We need to be the leaders in our communities and our business and at home. So be the Buffalo, FT. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell my uh, group on Monday. <laughs> no, that's good. It's really, it, it is uh, relevant. It's good. Uh, and in a sense, if we are uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it gives us extra resources. Uh, we can always pray. For example, uh, we have, we should have a wellspring of peace and wisdom to tap. So that gives us the ability to run into the storm as opposed uh, to uh, circle the wagons and wait it out, right? And so that's, yeah. Very important. Yeah. Right. So, um, uh, how's, how are we doing for time? I always have to check for the. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. We have time for a few more questions before we, um, you know, think about some takeaways from today. And yeah. um, maybe, Charlie, I'll give you a, a little bit of a, a heads up on if you, you know, if there's been a specific scripture throughout the year that's really stood out for you, we'd love to have you share that at, towards the end as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things that uh, for those who don't know Up TV or uh, Up Faith and Family is um, <clears throat> it's high quality entertainment uh, that that will attract audience and will attract advertisers. So one of the mistakes that uh, people may want to uh, make or may make when they uh, have a values based business is to sacrifice quality and make things that really nobody wants to watch. So in a sense, you are in the world to make money and to do, you know, to attract an audience and build value and not, um, and that does not have to come as a, a sacrifice of, of uh, your faith on the one hand and then quality on the other side. After you just brought up some, I, I run into this all the time um, with well-intentioned movie makers that are making Christian films and they have good story and well-intentioned but um they sometimes don't do all the things necessary in fundraising and uh to make the movie all it can be but it's i, I tell people all the time it's important your mission your purpose but your business first if your mission first and you have an underfunded mission it's not going to be as effective as it needs to be so remember you're in a business first and the more successful you are as a business the more successful you can be with your mission, whether that's making a film to impact people, writing a book, whatever your ministry may be, uh, or your mission may be, it's important first, FT, to your point, to, to do that. And we do, we invest, um, I say now, probably the highest level um, in the entertainment industry in made for television movies. Uh, we 
now have a partner studio in Los Angeles, uh, Larry Levinson Productions. He makes the finest quality movies on television. He made them for Hallmark for many, many years. He made the first 250 movies. Um, that's where our movies are made now. So they're super high quality movies. Quality is first with him. Um, I help a little bit on tweaking the stories to make sure it also has the purpose piece that we need. He makes great romance movies as well. I think you're, you know, your listeners will, will love our films. Um, but those also go, then go over to Up Faith and Family, which is our streaming service. So it's a Netflix basically um, without the darkness. It's a net, Netflix with uplifting and inspiring stories. Um, and the thing that you brought up is really important to remember about our main brand, Up TV. We're home of the Gilmore Girls. We're home of some of Hollywood's biggest blockbuster movies. We're also the home where you'll find, um, I can only imagine, just premiered two weeks ago to an audience of two million on our network. So we'll also have the biggest films in Christian, Christian world, but we'll also have big films in the secular world that tend to be more heartfelt and family friendly, right? So you'll find a wide range on our, it's an entertainment network that competes with every other choice. This is not just competing with a Christian network or a kid's network. We're competing with every other big uh, choice you have out there to watch great movies and great series. So we have to be as good or better than everyone else at everything we do. So as you think about that, that's a, a, a really tense balance that you have. Um, highly competitive industry, really seeking quality, also wanting to be a business and purposeful at the same time. Um, I want to jump back to the SQ and the spiritual quotient. And in your journey, as you do that balancing, what do you think, um, what spiritual practices in your life do you think help you the most in terms of finding the right balance between quality and the right, you know, shows or the right um, material and content that you pursue? Are there certain spiritual practices that really stand out to you um, throughout your journey? Yeah, I think um, I'll give you a little bit of the background though first, and that is, look, I wasn't always where I am today in my faith. You know, I worked for Discovery many years and Turner for many years, and um, I was a classic just entertainment guy, right? Working in the business, trying to make his way as an executive. And it really has been, for me almost, um, part of my spiritual journey was actually starting Gospel Music Channel and creating an environment and, and also being influenced by being around all those artists and the Dove Awards and the Stellar Awards and all of that really had a, an amazing impact on me spiritually. So it's interesting, you know, as I look back at my life, there was that part with my dad in the ministry, and then there was the secular part. And, you know, God all along was kind of had me in school for something I never would have expected. If you would have told me when I was at Discovery, I would go start a gospel music channel, I'd have told you you're crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But here all along, <clears throat> those two pieces were coming together in my life and I had no idea. So um, I think for anybody that's listening and, and reviewing this, pay attention to that. You, you never know what that next chapter is and what you're doing right now that's setting you up. So do your best at it, you know, work hard at it, be successful at it, um, but be open to that next part of your, next part of your journey as well. So you, you ask, and I think you know, for me, what's important um, to stay on track spiritually is a routine. You know, I'm very driven by routines. I think it's so important. And I practice every single morning something that does, that benefits me mentally, spiritually, and physically. You know, and that's workout or yoga. It's my prayer and devotion, right? It's reading and it's being grateful. So every single morning, that routine, and it doesn't take 20 or 30 minutes to do the whole routine, but I have found that to be transformative. And I've also found it 
to leave me adrift a little bit when I don't have it. You know, everybody's different, but for me, it's important to have that routine, uh, to stay focused, stay on track, be the best I can be when I walk in these doors, um, or I'm on Zoom nowadays with, with my, my team, um, leading and influencing as we do. Yeah, that's great, that's great. And by the way, I felt uh, quite dislocated after March and being at home. Mm. It took me April, May, June, July to like, what, I just, I don't, the routine was disrupted in the yep. sense that you don't have to get ready to go to work and then you don't come back that uh, the commute helped kind of set the parts of the day and then you divide it up. It took me until uh, a couple of months ago and I said, I got to do a new routine and divide up the day differently. And I, I color coded FT, I was the same way. I got blown out of my routine when this happened. And I think a lot of us did because we might have thought it might have been temporary. Like, you know, after two months, I'm just going to do something different and have some fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we woke up and said, this could go on for a while. What am I going to do with myself? I need to get I don't think we even remember. We uh, At first we said, oh, that's uh, it's sequestered for three weeks. It'll be over right. in three weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, then three months and now it's probably going to be a year plus. <laughs> Now we're getting into routines in our business. You know, we just made plans for when we come out of this, what the company looks like. But boy, have we learned a lot. You know, it's funny. I was talking to another CEO today and I said, you know, we all thought we were really good CEOs. If we were really that good, why are we changing? And, you know, our company's going to look different when we come out of COVID. You know, because we found that we were wasting in areas. We found that I had people that would sit in front of a computer all day long for eight hours just inputting data, that they could do that at home. And why did I make them drive an hour in Atlanta traffic when they have kids and family and, and an hour back home when yeah. they can do that at home? You know, we have the technology now to do it. So we're thinking about our business very differently. We're going to come out of this being the Buffalo. Um, and it's going to be a, a very different company, but I think a much better business, a much better place to work uh, than we were when we, you know, when all this started. Yeah. I think as, as we uh, we're kind of hitting the end of our time, so I would I would love to think about even in just what you what you just said. I think there's about eight takeaways <laughs> in that last um, just bit that you shared. And so as we close, I'm going to leave a little time just to to pray briefly at the end. But um, you know, if there if there has been a scripture or uh, some kind of guiding practice or practical thing that we can do tomorrow. What would that look like? And um, FD, maybe you can you can start us off if you want to just one takeaway, one thing that you learned from Charlie today. I'm and then we'll hand it to you, Charlie. I'm stealing Charlie's. This is it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, nail down your routine. Uh, it's it's sun, a Sunday to whatever. The green is Sabbath. Take the take the Sabbath. Uh, nail down the routine, and if things change again, nail down another routine. It took me a few months to get my legs mm -hmm. under me. And uh, it's practical, but it's practical also in a, in, a, in a spiritual, biblical sense in that we have to make time and set some boundaries between work and quiet time and spiritual life and family. Uh, because once you're at home and the, the apartment is one feet away, five feet away, uh, all, the, all the boundaries go away. So I would say, do a routine, reset your boundaries so you can, you know, uh, have quiet time and, and family time and all of that. Right. And, and, and to that, FT, I think 
out of all this tragedy and death and has been COVID, there's silver linings in COVID. There's the things that we've seen in our neighborhoods and ours is like Mayberry with people walking dogs and people saying hello and everybody living on their front porch and being at home with your family. You know, it's just some of these things don't just like we're not going to do in business, go back to the old ways. Don't just go back to your old ways. I think take a moment and make a list, you know, be disciplined and make a list of the things that you've found that have been the positive, the silver linings of COVID in your life and incorporate those in your new life post COVID, right? I think that's a, that's a really important piece. You ask about a scripture. I don't, I don't know if I have a COVID scripture really, but there's, there's one that I, I think comes to mind typically with, with this business. Um, and it's Matthew 16, 26, which is, you know, what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. It's, you know, we work in the entertainment business. It's a sexy industry, um, easily tempted to do a lot of things, make bad decisions about programs, make bad decisions in your life. You're around a lot of stars, a lot of, you know, sexy, attractive stuff. Um, and I think that has really been something I keep front and center uh, to make sure I stay focused on what's important and keeping yeah. myself, you know, mentally, spiritually, and physically ready for the battle every day. Wow. Well, thank you, Charlie, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us and, and these insights. And I think um, I, I, get, I get to combine a few of the insights at the end, uh, you know, and just thinking about the, the role that discipline plays. If you're going to be a buffalo, you've got to be able to run and keep running because it wasn't a sprint, right? We're still kind of running through this storm in a lot of ways. And it comes with discipline that we have the stamina to make it and to not get weary along the way. And so I think that that balance and it was a good reminder to me hearing you share your discipline and the practices that you have in place every day and the mindset that your team took in weathering this was really really inspiring so uh, thank you so much for that and I, I appreciate the the inspirational material the uplifting um, you know nature of the programming that you do and I just want to say thank you for for talking with us and um, FT, as, as we close, would you, um, could you just pray for us as we, um, you know, choose to be Buffalo and look to be disciplined and schedule and, and weather this in a way that really honors God? Yeah. Actually, I'm going to ask Charlie to pray for us. Right. Uh, I'll just uh, close with, my closing comment is um, when we were investors, we tried not to meddle with management, uh, but I, I want to apologize for always asking you to put some <laughs> put some chase scenes into your movies. Right, I know. <laughs> Which you never did, thank God. <laughs> but you were a great partner, FD. Thank you for all the, all the work, all the years. Yeah. Hannah, thank you for this, both of you, for this podcast. Um, I think it's, I love your approach to it, um, combining business thinking uh, along with the spiritual piece. So important for people. It's, it's two of the big parts of the three, right? If you add a gym segment, we'll have them all. But, uh, but thank you for all you do. Yes, uh, and everybody go subscribe to Up TV. We normally don't do this sort of stuff, but just for fun. Anyway, could you pray for us, Paul? Absolutely. Dear God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Hannah. We thank you for FT, the ministry they have, uh, the purpose they have, and the intentionality in which they go about serving you and leading, helping others to become better leaders in their home, in their families, um, and in their with their coworkers. Uh, we pray today for our country. We pray today that um, our leaders will make the right decisions. We turn all of this craziness of COVID and politics over to you. Um, and, you know, take the worries away from us and the things we fear. Um, 
it's in your hands. We can't control it all anyhow, so maybe we shouldn't worry about it. We pray for uh, all of us to work on being mental, spiritual, spiritual and physical balance in our lives. Uh, help us as we grow. We thank you for all your blessings in our life and keep us safe and healthy. Amen. 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 Thank you. Have, awesome. a, have a great weekend. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Good to see you. Bye-bye.